Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Today is known as the Visitation. The angel Gabriel, Gabriel had spoken to Mary, saying that she will give birth to Jesus even though she is a virgin. Mary wondered how those things could be, and so Gabriel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Upon hearing this wonderful news, Mary then goes into the hill country to visit her relative Elizabeth. Now, a week ago yesterday, that is annually on June 24th, the church observes the nativity of St. John the Baptist. You think about it, that's precisely six months from Christmas Eve, and the angel had just said that Elizabeth is six months into her pregnancy, and so we observe that momentous occasion six months from Christmas, the birth of St. John the Baptist, the forerunner to the Messiah. So also, a week later, on the eighth day, which would have been yesterday from June 24th, that would have been when the people would have circumcised John the Baptist and also when he would have been named. That's when, of course, they wanted to give him different names, and Zechariah had to write down his name will be John, and then Zechariah can finally speak for the first time in nine months. So that was yesterday. So some have suggested that because Luke reports that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months, that Mary would have left to go back to back home perhaps the day after the naming and circumcision of John, which could have been today. And so we have today, July 2nd, as the visitation. Mary returns home, now three months pregnant, bearing the Messiah. It's good to consider these things when they come up in the church here, especially as they fall on Sundays. If you read the, 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 the treasury of daily prayer, then your attention is often brought to these various festivals and various occasions. There's usually a nice paragraph, a nice write-up in that treasury of daily prayer on these various days so that we commemorate them, so that we do not forget them. It is good for us to be reminded that the entire year is filled with anniversaries and commemorations of important events that happen not only in Bible times, but also in the lives of the saints who have gone before us. In fact, I think there's another anniversary worth mentioning that would have occurred yesterday. 
On July 1st, 500 years ago, I mentioned this in a sermon back in May, it was, it's the 500th anniversary of a sad event that occurred, occurred. On July 1st, 1523, the first Lutherans were martyred. This did not happen in German-speaking lands either. Instead, it happened in Belgium. Jan van Essen and Hendrik Voss were part of a monastery, an Augustine monastery in Antwerp, Belgium. And the people there had heard of the teachings of the Reformation, and the entire monastery agreed that the teachings of the Reformation are the truth, that they match with Scripture. But then they became threatened by the church, and all but three recanted. One lived the last few years of his life in prison, and these two that I just mentioned were burned at the stake for refusing to recant their beliefs. Just like the bravery of Americans who declared independence and the bravery of those who have fought for our country's freedoms serve as examples to strengthen us, so also do these first Lutheran martyrs. We bravely follow their faithful example and we cling to the truth of God's word regardless of what society might say or regardless of what that cost may be, whether it's to our own lives, to our financial situation, or even to our families. Mary and Elizabeth in today's gospel serve as excellent examples of the Christian faith. Mary believes the most amazing promise given to her, a promise that young women for centuries had been looking for the fulfillment of, and one that is now bestowed upon this young woman, who at the time is a virgin, that she will conceive and bear the Son of God, and she shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Six months earlier, Elizabeth had received word through her husband that she, who is beyond the age of childbearing, will become pregnant, and she will bear the forerunner to the Messiah, a prophet who had been prophesied in the Old Testament, one who will prepare the way of the Lord. And so Mary, in faith, goes to visit her relative Elizabeth, and when Mary enters the house and greets Elizabeth, John the Baptist leaps for joy in Elizabeth's womb, for John is filled with the Holy Spirit. Miraculous events are taking place. Most of the world doesn't even know what is going on, but yet these women know that the fulfillment of Christ coming into this world is now upon them. Such great blessings and we continue to celebrate the fact that Christ is born, that Christ is crucified for us, and that Christ has been raised from the dead for our salvation. From this account of the visitation in Luke chapter 1, we hear of several blessings that God lovingly grants to his dear children. Yet we can see throughout the world 
that many try to distort these blessings by teaching things that are contrary to what God is teaching or contrary to the blessings that God is trying to bestow. The first blessing we can see is the one that I've already mentioned, and that is about the faith of these women. Through this, we can learn that faith is worked by God the Holy Spirit. Zechariah and Elizabeth had prayed for children, and yet they had remained barren. In faith, they accepted God's will for them. But then, when Elizabeth had probably given up any hope of having a child, she is told that she will conceive and bear a son. And John the Baptist was born to serve as that prophet. In fact, Jesus describes him as being more than a prophet. And in faith, Mary believed the word of the angel Gabriel. She knew the only way to bear a child is to be with a man. And yet her reason was set aside and she trusted the promise of God. She most likely recalled the prophecy found in Isaiah chapter 7 that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And in faith, John the Baptist leaped for joy upon hearing the voice of Mary, for she was carrying the Son of God in her womb. This demonstrates that God can create faith in even the littlest of humans, and God does so through his word. God the Holy Spirit was at work in the, for granting faith to these people. In every case, we can see, we can see from the scriptures that there was speaking and that there was hearing. People do not believe through their own reason or strength, but as we testify in the catechism, the Holy Spirit has called us by the gospel and enlightened us with his gifts. He does the converting through his word. Yet many want to distort these beautiful and glorious Christian teachings by suggesting that man has somehow the reason to make himself believe, or that he can somehow pinpoint the time in which he has dedicated himself to the Lord, that it is somehow his doing to be reconciled to God, our Heavenly Father. And as Christians who have been enlightened in the word, we reject these distortions. Another blessing that we have is that by grace, God chose these people to serve him. He did not first examine them to see if they would have the right qualities or abilities. For he either gave them the qualities or abilities he wanted them to have, or he used them despite their sinfulness and their own inadequacies. Such that a relief that is for us. No pastor is totally adequate for his vocation. No parent as these women we're going to soon learn, are totally adequate for their vocation as parent. Mary and Elizabeth, no doubt, felt many times incapable of doing the task that is before them. But yet God has placed them in that role anyway and gave them children and blessed them None of us are righteous, and yet God chooses to add us to his family by grace through baptism. 
None of us can muster up the faith, but yet God graciously works the faith in us. We rejoice that these blessings are ours. Third, children are a blessing from the Lord. Psalm 127 declares, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of a womb, a reward. In the Old Testament, there are several well-known prophets or patriarchs who are mentioned from birth. Consider Isaac, who was born to Abraham and Sarah even after they were well advanced in years, and Sarah was beyond the age of childbearing. Or consider Moses, who was supposed to have been thrown into the Nile to die, was instead nursed by his mother and placed in a basket in the Nile River until someone compassionately had, or someone had compassion on him, Pharaoh's daughter. Or consider Samuel, whose mother Hannah was barren and prayed for a son. Or consider Jeremiah, whom the Lord had said to him, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Sadly, many try to distort God's teaching by claiming that children are unnecessary or that children are a commodity or children can be aborted, especially if they have various disabilities or if they aren't the sex that the child wants or the parents want for their child. In our day, having a family is often given a back seat to careers and to entertainment in life. Many have replaced children with pets, and many try to separate God's gift of sexual relations within marriage from childbearing. Drug and, dr drugs are prescri prescribed and surgeries are administered to men and women in order to sterilize them. These are all efforts to stop the God who grants life from authoring new life. And so we reject these distortions. Fourth, another blessing that we have is God's gift of creating humans as male and female. Today's gospel involves two adult women. God blessed them with wombs that bore children. Motherhood is the highest honor. The work of God in creating children is an absolute miracle. Yet this blessing is being distorted today as our children are being indoctrinated into thinking that humans can somehow be non-binary or transgender. Children are being recruited to have so-called age-appropriate gender-affirming health care, which is manipulation and ruining their bodies. The trends among teens thinking that they are transgender is alarming, and too many then are ruining their bodies through medication or surgery. There is an assault on women as men are pretending to be women so that they can participate in women's sports. And some women of the year are not actually women, but they are men. All the work that has been done to secure rights for women compatible with Christianity are being tossed down the drain. Women are further dehumanized as they are being called birthing persons or uterus havers in an attempt to ignore gender altogether or to try to make the claim that women are simply men 
with some additional biological parts. On these matters, it seems like Christians have lost the culture war. The Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage, even though the Constitution guarantees no such thing. But those fighting to win the right for same-sex marriage were not content. They wouldn't say, we won the victory. Let's now live our lives in peace. They have come after our children and are indoctrinating them to accept transgenderism. And people are finally catching on. For many, it wasn't about letting those with same-sex attraction live at peace, minding their own business, but it was always about reforming the whole society and redefining not only marriage, but also what it means to be human. Because of this, the, this relentless and militant push, Christians, along with those who have a conscience, are pushing back. This past month, some corporations have suffered as they have promoted these shameful alternative lifestyles. It is finally becoming acceptable in society to take a stand for what is right. Of course, Christians, as Christians, we do not need to wait for society to accept us. Society never will. The world will never tolerate the truth. And so we remain steadfast as we cling to God's word of truth despite the mocking and the rejection that the world will bring to us. Today's epistle sheds light on how to handle these various challenges as, as, that we face as Christians in a society where Christian values are rejected. Instead of throwing in the towel or condemning those who, those who are caught up in sin, we then call those caught up with their sins to repentance. Instead of celebrating sin with pride or giving in to the sinful trends of our day, God the Holy Spirit teaches us, as it is written in our epistle, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. As we abhor evil, this does not mean that we forever shun or ostracize those who are caught up with the sinful prevailing winds of our day, nor do we condemn those who will face various temptations related to the things that I have brought up. Instead, it is written, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. For we want all to hear the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want all to see the light of the gospel. We want all to come to the knowledge of Christ. We want them to repent and to admin, amend their sinful ways. We want them to join us in the unity of the faith and to be a part of the body of Christ. We want them to receive the salvation of their bodies and souls. And so we, as it is written, love one another with brotherly affection. It was love, unconditional love, that motivated God to promise to Adam and Eve a Savior who would come to take away the sin of the world. God's love is fulfilled in giving us children, especially the Christ child, born to the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem to take away the sins of the world. Jesus was born so that he could bear your sins in his body, and go to the cross and wash you clean of all your sin, so that though your sins are like scarlet, you 
shall be as white as snow. What a blessing it is that God has blessed you with these things, that you are now reconciled to God by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We have heard numerous blessings today that sadly many in our society are trying to distort. It's tempting to give in. It's tempting to say, well, maybe the world is right and maybe we should just go along with it. It's tempting to say it's a modern society. But as we read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the scriptures, we then begin to see that those temptations will get us nowhere. Instead, the only right thing is to abide in the word of Christ, to suffer and bear our various crosses that we may receive for being faithful, and to rejoice in the blessings that we certainly have received, that we will, no matter the cost, will receive the goal of our faith, and that is the salvation of our bodies and souls. We will, as God's children, baptized into Christ, will see our Lord face to face and will be raised from the dead on the last day, where God will make all things new, and all these temptations, all these vices, and all these evils will be gone. What a great blessing we will have in Christ, and what blessings we already have in him. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. <laughs>